afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. Joining me, as always, in the producer chair is Mr. Kyle Dodson. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I have a question for you. Yeah. You seem like you're in a bad mood. No, I'm not. I'm just tired. You're just tired. What would cause a 25-year-old to be very tired? I don't know. I didn't do anything. Banging around with chicks all weekend? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I watched WrestleMania You watch WrestleMania? That can wear you out, especially if you're cheering. I wasn't. Um, (laughs) Let me ask you this. Now, tell the audience... The sunglasses that I wear in the car. Yeah. What do you say about those glasses? <laughs> They're women's. <laughs> okay. Now, look. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. You're saying those are ladies' sunglasses. Yes. Okay. So, this is just yesterday. Okay. Uh, I was in the car and with Rita, and we went to the library to return some books. Okay. At the book drop. So, I pull up on the curb. I hop out, and there's a guy standing there, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's, he's dressed nice. But he's smoking a cigarette. He's standing right by the book drop. I put my books in, and the guy says to me, hey, man, cool sunglasses. And I look up at him, and he's got the exact same sunglasses on as I do. The exact same ones. So are you saying that two fellas were both wearing lady sunglasses? Yeah. You don't think that you're mistaken, and maybe those are not ladies? I think I think he is a douchebag and thought they were <laughs> douchebag sunglasses, and that's why he was wearing them. Because he's smoking by the... Yeah, by the book drop, right by the school, in his well-dressed suit. <laughs> All right. So, again, I'm not going to get a pass on these glasses. <laughs> no, no. They're still ladies' glasses. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> All right, look. Here's what we're doing tonight, folks. We, uh, we got a friend of mine is in town. And since he's in town, I asked him if he wanted to sit in and record a podcast with me. And he said no. So then I asked him again, and then he said yes. No, he said yes. Uh, because the topic tonight is... Uh, is, of course, uh, we're going to do the music of uh, little Johnny Cougar Mellencamp because this is, uh, this is my friend's... It's just nod your head. Don't talk yet. It's your favorite artist, right? Your favorite artist of all time? Is it your go-to artist? Okay. So uh, my friend who's here tonight, is, uh, his name is Jim Schultz. We, uh, we met in ninth grade, which was 1979. And, uh, and um, so how long is that? How many years ago is that? figure that out 36 36 years 36 years so you we've known each other since we were like 15 it's ridiculous so jim schultz jim is here jim say hello hey pat (laughs) so so jim you live in ohio i do and who do you work for (laughs) this subject's closed (laughs) what's the company name siemens (laughs) and what do they do Lots of things. <laughs> Does your company know that they have a bad name? It's a German company. That would be like, uh, who do you work for? I work for butt plugs. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Jim is here. Jim, are you excited about tonight's show? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, definitely, I am a huge Mellencamp fan. And uh, I was excited because I, I felt, honestly, the last couple of years that you not as big a fan of his as you once were. Yeah, that, and uh, that is, I think you're giving is, me a chance to defend him. That is probably true. Uh, that is 100% true. But 
in in preparing for the show tonight, you know, I, I was reminded what a what a catalog of uh, songs he does have, and he his if you take his hits, if you just take all his hits, it it is it's as good as it gets. It's as good as you know any other artist I can think of. I mean, these hits were all over the radio, you know, big sellers, multi platinum albums, one after the other. So, uh, yeah, it's just in recent years. And this might happen with a lot of artists, too. There's, uh, I'm, I'm not into some, some of the older artists, what they choose to do in their later years. But we'll talk about that when we get here. Now, your list of songs tonight, are they in chronological order? Um, what, what I did was um, I, it starts out in chronological order, and then I kind of jumped around to a couple of different um, aspects of his music that appeal to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, some of the early stuff um, that I have on my playlist yeah. is his early stuff. I think through his um, heyday, okay, um, and what I would say the casual fan, or like you said, you could just play his greatest play hits, hits, and everyone would go, oh, yeah, for I love about all these thirty songs. tracks. So I, I didn't want to dominate the entire show with that, but I think you know that's really a great place to yeah. start with him. So yeah, I have uh, I have I have I have uh, I have quite a few hits on my list, but yeah, I have a lot of deep album cuts where I want people to say, "Oh my god, I never heard that song before," and then go to iTunes and buy it. That's what I like when people do. When then people are like, "Oh, I never heard these songs, and now I got to buy them." That's what people say. They talk just like that. I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I would say one thing: uh, Jim is prepared tonight. He's more prepared. He's got a pen. He's got a highlighter. He's got his list printed out. And he brought his flash drive, and all, all they don't look like they're password protected, right? No, none of them are. None of them also, are. Also, his list is like color coordinated. It's co- He's got a couple of different colored fonts on there. Jim is more prepared than some of the regular people that co-host this show with me. He's on time. He's on time. Cancel twelve times. If we had to give, I don't know if we should do this. If we had to make a, if we put Jim in the mix of the other four people that co-host. Uh, in the order of who is prepared, who would be number one? Right now, I think Jim is tied with uh, with Mike Siegel. Yeah. And then who's second? Second would be... Second would probably be a tie between Christy and April. Yeah. April might be overly prepared. Yeah, because she has like 50 songs. And then she, she doesn't have an order and they're not queued. Right, right. And, and April will decide what she's going to play depending on what which I've just okay. played. Which is fine. It's a fun thing. A lot of Christie's songs end up being password protected. So yeah, a lot of Christie's songs are password protected, and she does not know her password. Yeah, and, and then, she doesn't, and she doesn't know how to change it either. I guess no. And then, uh, <laughs> and then there's Murray. And then Murray. Why don't you think Murray is that prepared? He is prepared, but he kind of like doesn't know what his list is, <laughs> and he's not on time. You know, he listens to the show. I know it's hilarious. He's gonna hate this. All right. Uh, what else, Jimmy? You, how many times have you seen John Mellencamp in concert? Wow. Um, I was trying to think about that mm-hmm. whenever I started putting this together. Um, probably at least ten, maybe a dozen times. That's good. That's a pretty good. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, and a lot of different venues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, big concert uh, arenas, small mm-hmm. venues, um, and I've seen them. Uh, over the last 30 years, you know, yeah. maybe every five years, sometimes back-to-back years, um, but a lot of different venues, a lot of different years. I've seen, uh, I saw him on in 83 for the first time on the Uh-Huh tour uh, at the uh, Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh. Then you and I saw him on Thanksgiving 
on the Scarecrow tour. So that was either 85 or 86, Thanksgiving night. Do you remember that? I do remember. In fact, uh, <laughs> you looked like you looked like you didn't remember for sure. No, I do because um, you know, I, you know, I've both seen him multiple times, and he wasn't always, and he still isn't. I don't think super interactive with the audience. Yeah, he and did I, bring a small child on the stage. I was that just going to tell that story yeah. and say that that was really surprising that he brought a small child up. I don't know if it was a plant or not, mm. maybe one of the roadies kids or something. But he sat him on his knee and he yeah. played uh, small town acoustic. That's right. And, of course, the whole crowd sings along. But yeah. that was, a, for him, I think very different. He was, you know, for lack of a better word, snooty, I think, mm. through the 80s when he was really popular. Yeah. He, he got up, played his set, smoked cigarettes, and left. <laughs> Had a heart attack, continued to smoke cigarettes, and then left. The, uh, and then I saw him on, I saw him on, he did, a, I think it was the words and music, when he was touring on, under his greatest hits, and John... Uh, John Fogarty was opening and that was the best that was the he was I liked him at the Scarecrow tour but this was the best I've ever seen him because he was really giving the audience exactly what they wanted he gave them all the hits a drunk Matthew McConaughey McConaughey came up and sang with him and uh and Matthew McConaughey cannot sing at all he has abs and all that stuff but he can't sing and he showed retrospective films like between some songs and it was uh it was really really great that was at the Hollywood Bowl I don't think I would ever. I don't think I could ever see him better than he was that night. It was really great. Do you remember when that was? I think it was two thousand five, maybe. Yeah, because I two thousand five. I, I think the only time I saw him live that I really was uh, somewhat disappointed in the show. I mean, he still played mm-hmm. good. His band was yeah. tight. They played a lot of hits, but um, and I can't remember the band. He he actually was a warm up act mm-hmm. for uh, somebody else, or maybe it was one of these. Melon Camp was warming up. Or maybe it was one of these co-bills uh-huh. where it was... One it, night, one guy closes, the other next yeah, night. Yeah, it, it, was, it was late 90s, maybe early 2000s, and it was at uh, Riverbend in Cincinnati, which is an outdoor venue. Okay. And to me, he just looked pissed playing first. <laughs> and, and, you know, because at, at these outdoor venues, it's still light out, and the crowd's still filing in, and people aren't really settled in for the show yet till he's near the end of his set. And he really, that night, I don't think he said two words to the audience except maybe introduced his band at the end. Yeah. Other than that, he just played. And again, the music was good, but it just, there was no feel to it. You just felt like he was going through the motions. Yeah. And who knows, maybe he had a fight with his girlfriend before the show too, but. You got to put that aside, buddy. Here's my problem with a lot of these rockers, these older rockers are, are, these guys are cranky. These, I'm going to tell you, there's the, you're Don Henley's. And I think your Billy Joel gets cranky, and this Mellencamp. Who's another guy? Oh, he said Paul Simon's a cranky bastard. Uh, most of the Eagles. Most of the Eagles. Yeah, Don Henley. Yeah, I think all those guys are cranky. So, uh, yeah, if, if you're going to go out there and people are going to pay hundreds of dollars now, hundreds. Now, I know when we saw Mellencamp in 85, I think our ticket was $15. And now, he should be happier now that people are paying, you know, Eighty, hundred bucks to see him, right? No, I totally agree, and that's you know. I mean, stop performing. I mean, I'm not. I'm not picking on him. I'm saying anyone in general. If you don't like it, like I've seen Springsteen so many times since uh, since 1984. I've seen him so many times, and that guy loves being up there. I mean, it's it's an interactive fest. If anything, people bring um, they write down songs they want to hear on big uh, poster board. And they pass it up and they throw it on stage and then he goes through them and he'll play, even if it's like a song 
that's not his, like a cover song. I've seen them go, oh, I don't know if we, guys, you think we can, can we try to do this one? Okay. And then they just, they just, they just wing it and it's still fun. That's a guy having fun. Yeah, no, definitely cool. And that's, that's what I said with, with, uh, Mellencamp, you know, I, I get, he's had his moments with political things and, you know, but Bruce is very political too. Exactly. But like you said, when I buy a concert ticket and I look forward to it for weeks or months or whatever it is, I want a show. And I, I, you know, that at least that one time he really disappointed yeah. me. Um, but over the years, um, he is my go-to artist, somebody mm-hmm. that, um, you know, a song comes on the radio or I pop a, a CD in or something. Yeah. It takes you back to where you were at that right. time, that place, uh, especially with, you know, him, when, like you said, you know, our junior high, high school days yeah. going into college when he was at his big time. And, uh, it always brings me back to that. Um, Probably something that's really cool now. I've got a, you know, a daughter who's twenty one, a son who's fifteen, and you know they'll pop on their uh, iTunes or their iPod or whatever, and you know play Jack and Diane for me like I never heard it before. <laughs> nice, but it's really cool. Um, you know, it's uh, they think they own "Don't Stop Believing" from Journey and uh, <laughs> Jack and Diane, and but it's cool because then it connects the generations in a yeah. different way. And it's amazing that that song is going to hold up yeah. forever. Well, that's that's what's that's uh, that's a great artist when the song comes on and it takes you right back to where you were. And this guy, this guy, he you know he was a uh, he I say was because uh, we'll talk later. But he was amazing. He's 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 it's unbelievable. So let's hear music. Let's start music. And you I wonder have, why I came prepared. I, I know you're looking I have to more, shoot down my artist. I have more song. I have more songs than you because I uh, I told you I go bring like twelve. Because I didn't want it to make it. I didn't want to make it seem like a chore for you. So I thought that would be easy. But you brought like fifteen, a Steve Kelsey battle of the bands. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then um, I have twenty-seven songs. So I'll start, even though you're the guest. <laughs> uh, Jim and I in high school we worked at McDonald's together, and then Jim got fired because he ate an extra cheeseburger. <laughs> True story. And today when we went for lunch, what did you eat? For lunch, cheeseburger, and he didn't pay for it. <laughs> I think we'd say he had two cheeseburgers. Two cheeseburgers. Okay, so uh, John Mellencamp's first album is actually something called the Chestnut Street Incident from 1976. I don't own it, and I know you don't own it. I do not. I don't even know if it's available. I, I know it was, uh, and he it, actually was under the name Johnny Cougar. He was at the little time. little Johnny Cougar, I think. And uh, this was a uh, this this was that had, one of the ones they recorded in London. I think so. Yeah, and I think he, his uh, first couple they actually recorded. Yeah, there were in some London. covers on it. He did. They did "Oh Pretty Woman" and "Jailhouse Rock" and "Do You Believe in Magic" and uh, "Hit the Road Jack." They did an Iggy Pop song, and then they did. Uh, then there were a couple a couple um, of Mellencamp originals. So uh, neither one of us is going to play anything off a of Chestnut Street Incident. But his second album was called "A Biography." Do you have this? I, I have that. I actually do have that in my collection, mm-hmm. um, and I picked a track from that one as well. You did? I did. Well, I have um, a track. Okay, well, I'll play. I'll play uh, do you want to play that first, then? Do you want to play your track? What if it's the same track? It probably is, because it's like, to me, um, when he pr- pretty much introduced himself mm-hmm. to uh, the rock world yeah. of, uh, as, a, as a real artist, he wasn't remaking Jailhouse Rock and right. whatever that other stuff was. Um you want me to announce what it is? I don't. Well, let me tell you what mine is. Cause I think you have a different song than me. Okay. Cause I have the first track in the album, which is called born reckless. Nice. 
Do you have that song? I do not. Okay. Let's hear Born Reckless. As I sit here, watching the sun coming up. Jim's girlfriend, Becky's here, too. Becky, that's not too loud in your headphones, is it? Okay. Because if it's too loud, you're too old, right, motherfuckers? <laughs> okay, Jim, I know what song you have, so I, I think I know. So go ahead. What, what do you got? Um, I got uh, I Need a Lover. Yes. Now, the song I Need a Lover was actually uh, first uh, on this album, a biography. But then the album that comes after this, it's also on that album. And right. that's the album that it was released. As in the a, U.S. In the U.S. as a single. Correct. So uh, this this is an amazing song. So I don't know where Jim has it queued up to, but let's listen. Also, when you want Kyle to fade it down, you just point to him. Just I like to just go like this. Point so I just give him the finger. Just give him the finger. Uh, yeah, that's an amazing song. Went to number 28 when it was released for the second time. Pat Benatar does an amazing cover of it. I think her cover might have been more well-known for a while. Yeah, uh, honestly, um, I think the popularity of her version is Spawned his popularity of his. Yeah. Now, but he now he won't play that. He doesn't play that nowadays, does he? You know, Will he bust uh, that out. You just pointed out my uh, girlfriend Becky uh, got me Mellencamp tickets for mm-hmm. Christmas this year. Yeah. Plain spoken tour. Uh, we were at the Ohio State University. Okay. Again, kind of that. Uh, you know what I was saying with my kids. You know, we go to Ohio State University. There's people my age and older. There's people. Uh, my kids' age. There's a lot of college students there. Um, kind of a smaller, intimate mm-hmm. venue. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard them play this song in a long time. They actually played it, um, the violin player and the organist. And they did like an acoustic version of it with those two instruments. And you could recognize, um, you know, the, the, the harmony and the melody and stuff. And no singing. Um, and it was actually kind of a neat version of it. But so Mellencamp didn't even uh, vocally do anything on that. No, that was the the, the whole the, the way the band played was you know that was his break. Yeah, um, you know okay. after he had done, uh, I'll say maybe ten, twelve songs. Okay. that's when he went back to smoke or, or <laughs> uh, you know, take a whiz, whatever they do when they go off the stage. And then he actually came back out after that and played um, several acoustic songs, yeah. and the rest of the band 
took their break all and right. then they all sort of started coming back out as they built into the second half of the show. Cool. So it was actually, I, I much prefer that than then, you know, uh, we've all been to concerts when they take an intermission and that's just lame. Yeah. <laughs> that's just lame. Yeah, well, Again, I, mean, I paid my money. Keep playing. Yeah. I mean, that's when, that's the older artists do that now. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. I mean, even Rush does that and Rush they play hard and fast the whole time. And like I said, it was just a good way to highlight some of the other musicians, which he's mm-hmm. got a completely different band now than any other time I've seen him. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too, in a little bit. Um, but uh, that, that, that album, that John, Mel- that John Cougar album uh, that uh, I Need a Lover is on, it's an okay album. Yeah. I don't like it top to bottom. Because at this point, to me, he hasn't made an album that you can listen to top to bottom and, 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 and go like, oh, this is a great album. I think it has great some great tracks here and there, but I don't think it's solid 100%. What about, what do you think? Is your question, do I think this album would stack up against, say, Born to Run? No. <laughs> well, or, or some of Cougar's later stuff. Uh, no, this is... Uh, you know, it's it's our, still an introductory album that has a couple of solid tracks. Yeah, it's an early artist yeah. that's still finding who he is yeah. as a musician. I think... You know, the record label probably had him being a little bit more poppy at the mm-hmm. time than yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as we get into the, the tracks here in the 80s and the 90s, when he you know, really found mm-hmm. his identity of who he was until yeah. he lost it and maybe found it again, we'll probably argue about that. But Now, then in 1980, he releases his uh, third album in the USA, Nothing Matters and What If It Did? And this, to me, has two phenomenal songs on it. I can't believe that these songs didn't break him through to huge success. Just these two songs alone, I'm talking about Ain't Even Done With The Night yeah. and This Time. Yeah. Those two songs are phenomenal. Those, I would go to those songs any day of the week. So let's hear a little bit of each one of those. That line right there is a great lyric. Our hearts beat like thunder. I don't know why they don't explode. This is the first time, Kyle. This is the first time when you're with your girl, and you're gonna, you're gonna. You might not even be. You may not have ever kissed her yet, or guy. You're holding hands, and you have that feeling, and you just can't believe, you know, that someone likes you, and you like someone, and your heart beats so, so, so. He can't believe how hard his heart's beating. His heart's gonna explode right out of his chest. Keep playing it. Got your hands in my back pocket. Stop it for a second. It's that hand, this girl's hands in his back pocket, and that's driving him fucking crazy. Keep going. Singing on the radio. You say that I'm the boy who can make it all come true. Well, I'm telling you that I don't know if I know. As a, as a guy who lost his virginity when he was 25, I was right. I've been right. I, I could have wrote this song. I know right what that guy's feeling. Let's hear a little bit of this time. I've had a lot of girls in my life. 
Mike's a completely different guy. He wrote this song. The last song, he's never even kissed a girl. Now he's pretty, fucking great. Stud. Had by all but those good times. They were fleeing memories. I used to lie to them and then I'd kiss them. But I kept an arm's length away. I've been acting today This time I really think I'm in love I'm in love This time I think I'm really in love Okay, how were those two songs not both number one singles? Yeah, no, it's um, they're amazing tracks and um, there's actually another song on there that album, uh, 2MG Do you Wherever She May Be I tried to bring it for us and I had some trouble getting it um couldn't get it on the plane i don't know whose password was on that song but it wasn't yours and it wasn't mine and you know you could have gone to itunes and repurchased that for i don't know 99 cents um too much work i'm just putting that out that's like a bonus for your listeners um i would recommend downloading that before these do you own the cd um i do not i I only own a few tracks from it i thought you were a fan i am a fan i'm not a fanatic but big difference Um, ain't even done with the night. It says here it went to number 17. This time went to, uh, number 27. That's top four. Those are two top forties, but those songs are so good. The, the label didn't work that record enough. Yeah. And like I said, if you do uh, check out, uh, it's called two MG, like the initials MG. I think it was a girlfriend or something mm-hmm. of his, wherever she may be. It's mm-hmm. a, it really, that song gives a lot of hints of what's to come in the next couple of albums. Yeah. You'll hear that track and think it could have been on Lonesome Jubilee mm-hmm. or Uh-huh. It's, to me, the most mature song on that, that record. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. These other ones, he just probably wasn't getting the airplay at the time no. and uh, maybe didn't have the label behind him or whatever. doesn't seem like a guy that wants to play ball either. You know what I mean? Yeah. John, could you come on? We want you to do this. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I just want to make my records. Okay, now that brings us to the first. Uh, this is a flat out 10 out of 10, this album. American Fool. For yeah. me, it is. This, is one, of, this yeah. is one that I can listen to top to bottom. I love it. Every single track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, this, this is one of those where you know every song on it if yeah. you've ever been a fan of John Mellencamp. And this is, uh, this is when he starts working with producer Don Gaiman, who then co-produces the next, like, three or four albums with him. This is also when he, when the band really comes together. And for me, my favorite period of John Mellencamp is when Kenny Aronoff is on drums. Cause that guy is a monster. I mean, he, his drum sound uh, is so amazing on American fool. It's, it's good. And then the next records, he really gets to open up. And I, I think, yeah, I think when it was Larry Crane, Mike Wanchek, uh, Kenny Aronoff, that was that to me, that's like, that's like his E Street band, these guys. Yeah. I wish those guys were still with him. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, um, I think it, when you get to like Scarecrow, there's a couple of tracks. Uh, I think it's like Love and Independence mm-hmm. with uh, there's huge drum solo on yeah, there with Kenny Aronoff that is just rocks. Another thing about this album, uh, the, re, the remastered version that came out in 2005 had a bonus track, and the bonus track was American Fool. So for some reason, the, the title track of the album, which American Fool, that is also a great song. They left it off for who knows for what reason, but that was left off of the album. 
But uh, do you have a song queued up for uh, from American Fool? I got one. Do you got one? Uh, yeah, I picked Hand to Hold. Oh, that's a great song. And uh, it's just one of those that, again, anytime I pull it out and mm-hmm. put it on, it just takes me back to college or high school or yeah. whatever. Let's hear it. Hand to Hold. And point at Kyle when you want him to turn it down. I mean, you talk about hand in my back pocket. How about you know, yeah. rhyming mud in a song? <laughs> I picked Thundering Hearts. Oh, awesome. So with this album, uh, this album goes uh, goes multi platinum. Hurt so good is number two single. Jack and Diane goes to number one. Uh, also on this album, he starts uh, his writing partnership with uh, a guy named George Green. So every album after that has a couple of Mellencamp, George Green compositions, and um, and so after this album, he's able to. Uh, this is such a big success that he's able to add Mellencamp back into his. Uh, into his name. He doesn't have to go by this John Cougar, which was uh, given to him by a, a manager. And wh- that guy, that's a shit manager. Who says put, uh, yeah, right, Kyle Panther? Don't you think that's, I mean, who says, you know what you know what your name's going to be? I mean, that's terrible. I mean, Mellencamp, uh, there's nothing wrong. I mean, is Springsteen a good name? You know, is Seeger? I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's. Cumberbatch? Of, yeah, but if, if you think about it, it's one of those things now you look back, it seems kind of silly. But it's yeah. what got him his break, and it got him to where he needed to be. But you know, he hey, oh, he hated it so much, for sure. Because he had to compromise too. Because they're like, well, you can put Mellencamp, but you still John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, I think you're probably talking about uh huh, uh huh. And then yeah, yeah, that the Mellencamp came on, but the Cougar stayed on. Yeah. So this is uh, again co-produced by Don Gaiman. These albums too are short albums. American Fool, thirty-four minutes. Uh huh, thirty-two minutes. But that's how it was back then. They didn't, it didn't have to be bloated. It didn't have to have 14, 15 tracks. It didn't have to have five, six-minute tracks. Save that for your Yes album and your prog rock bullshit. We just want to, we want some, Kyle, look at me. We want some Heartland rock and roll. We want it to be quick and down and dirty. And we want, it to, we want to be able to sing along with our best girl and put the top down and have a beer. Okay. Yeah, I All mean, right. but... For 30 minutes. Wasn't this really... For 32 minutes. I, I, I'm by no means an expert on this, but at the time in that... Pretend like you are. Yeah, well, but at that time... That's what I do every week. 
you know, that was the top 40 format. Right. If you were like over about, what, three minutes and 20 seconds mm-hmm. or something, there was no way your song was going to yeah. get on the air. Yeah. So they pretty much built the whole record that way, assuming that any one of these could potentially be a hit yeah. to get on the air. And uh, so you're right, when you added up the 10 tracks, mm-hmm. it's like over in 35 minutes. Yep. Um, and uh, this, is a, this album is wildly successful. It recorded in 29 days. Yeah. 29 it, days they laid this thing down. He always records it in Belmont, Indiana, I think, is the place. If I remember, um, they called it The Shack. I think that was the Something name of their like studio. That, yeah. they, they, that was, uh, was affectionately known as The Shack. I mean, he still lives in Indiana. He's, you know, he's true to what, what he says about that kind of stuff. He's, he hasn't, to my knowledge, ever packed up and moved you know, to, to uh, Bel Air or somewhere. He's always stayed right there. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I know you were busting me on a little bit earlier about not downloading a fresh copy of 2MG. Yeah. Um, one of the things I dearly miss, uh, you know, back from when we mm-hmm. were in high school was going to the National Record Mart, yeah. looking at the albums, reading them in the store mm-hmm. as much as you could with the packaging on. Without putting on your helper glasses, <laughs> which is what I have to do now. Well, yeah, we need the readers now. Yeah. Even if I do buy a CD, I can't even read that little yeah. package insert. But that was... You know, where we learn things like that he recorded this in 16 days yeah. at the shack in Indiana. And because you got it home, you put it on the turntable and then you sat there and you read the mm-hmm. all the stuff inside the record and hope somebody didn't scratch it the first day you brought it home. But I miss those days. I think that was part of what made music more special yeah. to me. Yeah. What um, again, American Fool went uh, five times uh, platinum, five yeah. million copies. And then, uh-huh. Sold three million. Uh huh. I got to be honest. Uh huh. Is not. I mean, it's got. I mean, it's got crumbling down. Pink houses. Authority song. But it's not. It's not. I hardly ever pull this album out and play it. I don't know. I don't know if I've heard those three songs so many times that I don't care about their. They, those don't stay with me like his other songs do. And then the rest of the album is just for me. It's just okay. Like you know, serious business or. Love and Mother Foe, yeah, those, those couple... Play, play guitar. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... They were, they were all, sem- like, yeah. semi-popular. Yeah. Like, those I, songs sound like they were recorded in 29 days. Like, they did, wrote and recorded in 29 days. Yeah, I, I, you know, even as a fan, I think this was probably rushed out mm-hmm. because the other one was so successful. Yeah. And let's stay in the tailwind. Yeah, because um, one was uh, American Fool, 82, and then this comes right out in 83. Yeah, and, you know, I think they did just really want to throw some fuel on the fire, and maybe they had a couple of good tracks, and then they just said, let's get it out there. Um, and did you pick a song from this album? Yeah, and uh, I, I, I stayed with, uh, you know, I'll call it probably, uh, to me, it's it's his Born to Run, Pink Houses. Mm-hmm. There people and more people. Well, there's people and more people. So many damn people. What do they know? No, no. 
man, baby, pays the thrills, the bills, the bills that care. Oh, did you want them to? No, yeah, no. I, I don't think anyone doesn't know the first line of that song. Black man, black cat, black neighborhood, porch. Maybe not in that order. Yeah. Maybe I don't know it. It's definitely right up there with a Jack and Diane. I, I just think it's more of an anthem than mm-hmm. that is. Um, when it comes to, you know, the whole crowd singing the yeah. song and, you know, now that his voice is getting more and more shot to shit. Um, you mean now in 2015? Yeah. I mean, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. and it, Turns know, the mic to the crowd a little bit? Yeah, he doesn't even have to. I mean, as soon as they strum the first chord, everybody's singing the song, and that's why you come. Yeah. And that makes it a special concert. Oh, so you like when the audience sings along? I do. I don't. When I go see Rod Stewart and he doesn't sing one lick of Maggie Mae because the whole crowd is doing the whole song, I'm just like, I did not pay to hear the guy next to me sing Maggie Mae. I want yeah. Rod Stewart sing it. And when I go see Neil Diamond and the people go, dun, 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 I want to punch someone. Yeah. and uh, Seriously, I, I, I want to. I, I would feel that way if it was my first John Mellencamp concert. Are you having any fun? You're not, there's not, it hasn't even been a smile on your face. I'm trying to mirror Kyle. Being very serious. Kyle has had a rough day. No, I, I hear what you're saying. And if it was my first Mellencamp concert, yeah. and that's the version of Jack and Diane I got to hear was 50,000 people saying it. Yeah. I think I would be a little bit pissed, but I've seen them a dozen times. Okay. And so now it's kind of like sing along with everybody else that's been right. through the years with them. I gotcha. I, uh, I, uh, we also felt we haven't talked about how, uh, what an MTV staple this guy was. He was videos, videos, videos. I mean, all over the place all the time. I mean, pink houses, all these songs in this album had, had popular videos. Yeah, for sure. He yeah. was he was in that generation where yeah. the, um, we could actually see the songs, yeah. um, even if you didn't have it or if you did. Yeah. And uh, it was always interesting if you listen to the song and, you know, sometimes in your mind you saw the song a certain way, yeah. what you thought it was about. Well, and crum- then, crumbling down, he's crawling up that ladder and sitting on top of that ladder on a bare stage. I see that every time I hear crumbling down. Exactly. And that's what I mean. It's It was always interesting whenever the the mtv video was so different yeah. than what i had in my mind of what the right. song was really about and maybe that was just that director's yeah. version of it but it sometimes it would crush me I whenever got, a song that i really felt something about they portrayed it so different i gotta imagine presenting john mellencamp with your idea for his song and his video must have not gone well ever <laughs> yeah. he must have had some say later on I mean, you know, if you read some of the stuff from him from those times, he was uh, pretty unhappy, really, even though he was pumping mm-hmm. out hits. Yeah. And I think he would just go in and say, whatever. Why yeah. Let's people be happy when they're doing what they what they want to what they wanted to do all their lives. They're living. He's living his dream. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> But maybe his dream's not what we think his version of the dream is. We we think what? playing to sold out shows and oh my god, it's like you know, it's like being the quarterback. But for what would, the, I wonder what his dream would be. I mean, if you get into the music business and now you're finally you finally have got your last name back and your your millions of albums on the radio, on TV, and selling out concerts. Why? I think I'll offer my first piece of evidence <laughs> for why uh, I know you don't think he's as relevant and mm-hmm. interesting as. I think the things he's recorded the last decade mm. is why he got into music. And, you know, once so, he got the fame and the money, mm-hmm. 
then he could write do and those things produce and and record what he really wanted to do well, i'll tell you what back then in the uh, late 70s early 80s if he wanted to go down to the train station and put his hat out he could have sang that kind of music that he's recording now exactly get a, a jug and a fiddle and uh and it's not to say that he didn't want to record these tracks <laughs> right but um you know i think and you see that with a lot of yeah. artists where you know maybe it is them evolving mm-hmm. but i think they always crave the spotlight and i think they always you know at least many of them uh, don't like the spotlight yeah. too they they want to be on stage and have fifty thousand people screaming right. But then they want to go to Denny's and have a Grand Slam breakfast and nobody wanting their autograph. Right. They, um, he should just like, like again, Springsteen, he like does the river, big album. And then he does Nebraska. That's an album that he does just for him. Then he does Born in the USA and that's for everybody. And then he, you know, he would, he, he intersperses those smaller albums in there without going whole hog. Cause I don't want to hear Bruce go whole hog and do these sure. devils yeah. and dust albums. I, 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 I. I don't like those albums the way I don't like some of these later Mellencamp sure. fests. Yeah. And, that's, it, and I love Springsteen. And, and, you know, it may have been, you know, part of his frustration may have been he want, may have even wanted to do that album, and maybe he wasn't as talented. Yeah, he might have, had a, he, he yeah, might not he have was, been talented enough to do it, well, but he, he knew he wasn't just happy doing three-minute top 40 hits. He was on, like, a rinky label. It was called Riva. Yeah, he had a lot I mean, of issues he, with his label. I mean, he must he must have made he made that label whatever whatever the label. I mean, I I didn't see that. You know, you're talking about albums. When you saw the sticker on the with album, the lion. yeah, with the lion, I never saw that in my life. But now Columbia Records, that that sticker was on. You know, Journey, Bob Dylan, uh, Billy Joel, Springsteen. I mean that, and then you saw this. Re, it was like an independent label that he was on. Almost, it seems like it. Yeah, I think if I remember, he, you know, he he did sign into them mm-hmm. for quite a period of time yeah. or, or quite a number of albums. Because you, you, the deal and, the deal that someone's willing to offer you, at some point you're going to go, okay, let's just take that deal. I don't have any other offers, so we got to do it. Exactly. Um, we always talk about this with Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, kids his age, you're a kid, 25. They don't know MTV like we knew it. They think it's a place where Snooki's given a hand job. That's what they think MTV is. I like when I like was aware of it. It was like TRL was the big thing that was on there. Uh, Total Request Live. Yeah. Don't throw out your, well, your I didn't initials. Like, I didn't like it. You love. You're wearing a Carson Daly T-shirt right now. I'm not. I saw, <laughs> I saw him once, and someone said, "I think that was Carson Daly." I didn't even take a second glance. <laughs> I just kept walking. <laughs> He's so off your radar that you wouldn't even turn around. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't care. Okay. There's Kim Kardashian. Do you turn around? Yeah. Some, I mean, yeah, not for... There's Khloe Kardashian. No. I don't need to. I can still see her. Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where are we at right now? We just covered... Uh-huh. Okay. So now... Now we... Now we... This is... Now we go... This is super huge now. Scarecrow. Yeah. The whole thing... I thought we were still talking about Khloe Kardashian. When I said super huge? Yeah. I like that. That better not be the line of the episode. Um, Scarecrow is phenomenal. It's uh, five million. He's back up in the five million range. He takes a couple years off because uh, this came out in '85, and uh, this is in the album where the production and the band, and I mean, we got Rain on the Scarecrow, Small Town. I don't know what do you, Small Town. What do you like better, Small Town or Pink Houses? Small Town's pretty great. I already 
I don't know what character this is. I already, point, I already made my proclamation that uh, yeah, Pink Houses. And see, but you're right; they're all mega hits. And this is what's different. About, this is what's different about this album for me. When I was saying, like the the, the album, the deep album cuts on a hunt don't do that much for me. But these, the, the songs on this that aren't hits, Minutes to Memories, Face of the Nation, Justice and Independence '85, Rumble Seat, Between a Laugh and a Tear, all these songs are so solid. Yeah. Do you got a song from this album? Yeah. In fact, it's probably queued up uh, in the wrong place for Kyle after I got all those accolades at the beginning. Uh-oh. What um, do we got? What song is it? Yeah, I did pull um, Between a Laugh and a Tear. I have that there. too because Ricky Lee Jones sings on this with him and I love Ricky Lee Jones. Yeah, I just love the track. and uh, It's a great song. I think it's, uh, to me, you know, as he was cranking out all these three-minute hits that are awesome, this, to me, was one of the first tracks where I thought he was showing us a little more serious side, a little deeper side. Let's do this. Let's let's play it from you, and then we'll play it from me. We'll see who cued it up better. Kyle, you decide. Yeah, yeah, and That's Ricky Lee Jones right there. Smile in the mirror I got to admit, that was a pretty good cue. He went right in. He went right in for some chorus. I think he might have won. Let's see what I did. I think he won, though. Battle of the Cues is what I call it. New segment. All right, I'm going to give it to him. He got right into the chorus. That was great. Uh, did you pick another song from this album? You just have the one. I just picked the one. I mean, I, it, like you said, I could have picked anything off of this. And, and uh, I know there's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's Love and Independence is the name of the track mm-hmm. with the really awesome Kenny Aronoff solo towards the end. And then it bridges from that into about a... Just, a justice minute. and Independence. Yes. And okay, it, I have that song queued up. So let's see if I might have the drum. Yeah. Let's cue the awesome track. That. It's just amazing. Car's amazing. Phenomenal. I've seen Kenny drum with other people too, like Melissa Etheridge, and he's on the money every time. Let me plug in once, Kyle, because I'm going to play you the worst song in the album. This is absolutely this when this when I first bought this album, and this song came up, I just about fell out of my. Uh, is this Rudy Toot Toot? No, no, that's uh, that's on the Lonesome Jubilee, and a fan would know that. Um, <laughs> here, no, here, here's the song. Uh, and, Pardo, by the, and by the way, you missed the cue on the big drum solo in the last yeah. song. Pardo and I always make fun of this song. Here we go. 
He does not sound good on this song. Except a young man with a baby in his arms sat there with a bow down head. All right, that's called Grandma's theme. That uh, John's. Yeah, that's like the preamble to Small Town, yeah. which they never played on the radio. And it's a dark stormy on. night. I think it is like his grandmother or something. Yeah, it is there. his grandmother. It's either his grandmother or Adam Sandler. I'm not sure which, <laughs> but it's uh, well, it's a dark stormy night. All right, what are we doing next? We're jumping in. Now he's he's so successful now. Like the career has, I mean, apparently still unhappy maybe, but this is, uh, so he's like, see, I think right after Scarecrow then he can really do anything he wants. What do you think? Help me. I'm drowning here. <laughs> no, I think I agree. I mean, and I think he continued to get a little bit more uh, deeper into his music. I think the... Yeah. The words, the lyrics, the melodies, um, the, the the quality of the recordings—they weren't as raw. Yeah. Um, which the instrumentation now. It, the next album, there's a lot more, a lot more instruments on here. There's um, banjo, and he adds uh, Pat Peterson and Crystal Talaferio on background vocals. I think they might have been touring on the Scarecrow tour too. Yeah. But they're now uh, the next album, Lonesome Jubilee. They're all over this thing, and. Um, I have a song from this. Do you have a song? Yeah, absolutely. What do you got? I got Cherry Bomb. Are you talking about the Club Cherry Bomb or are you talking about the uh, Runaway song? Talking about the one. Are you talking about Cherry Bomb? Talking about my favorite stripper name. All right, let's do it. Now, this is the band singing. We're riding around this little country town. That's called a good cue. We were going nuts, girl, <laughs> out in I just heard, I just processed what you said. You got accordion in here. Lisa Germano on the fiddle. Yeah. When I see those guys these days, we just laugh and say to you. Now, do you know what he's saying right there? That's when a... Do you know what he's saying there? I do. It's a, it's a brand of cigarettes, isn't it? If I remember. He's saying that's when a sport was a sport. I always thought he was saying... Well, no, I didn't know then. Yeah. There's a bathroom on the right. Are you looking uh, Are you looking up the lyrics to that? Cherry Bomb lyrics? Yeah. But... Like, For, like you pointed out, uh, the reason I cued that up where I did, mm-hmm. uh, because like I said, I think this is where he's really developing the full band and allowing those background yeah. vocals from the other members of that band, and uh, and it just enriches the music. I agree. This this is his band again. This is this is like this is when Bru- they're tight. Yeah, Bruce has added uh, backup singers and stuff too, and his wife's in the band. This is again. This is his E Street band. This version of John Mellencamp is the one I, I love the best. You looking up those lyrics? Yeah, it says that's when a sport was a sport. Sport was a sport. Yep. So you're right. What's that mean? That's probably means like that's you know back in my day, they didn't wear all these pads. Is that what he's saying? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, here's the band. It's uh, Kenny Aronoff, Larry Crane, John Casella. They add this guy. He's playing accordion, keyboard, saxophone. Guy guy pulls out a penny whistle. That's what it says. Lisa Germano. 
Toby Myers, Pat Peterson, Mike Wanchek, Crystal Talafari. This is this is this is uh, John Mellencamp and the E Street Band. Yeah, no doubt. And it's one of those where you wish they could have done a dozen albums with that lineup, but yeah. then maybe it would have got old after two. I think it would have got old for him. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's easily bored. Maybe. What do you think? Maybe. But I have a hit because I love this song and I think it's fantastic. And I think it also goes to what you were saying about how the band and the musicianship and the instrumentation has really started to really, really broaden out here. So this is uh, this is the first single. Uh, and I can say as soon, as soon as I say the title, I see the video uh, paper and fire. There's some interesting things here coming up. She had a dream. Banjo there. Boy was good this is where I tell you all the instruments that are being played. I think I hear a drum. So she chased after her dream <laughs> with much desire. I love when she comes in singing. But when she got too close to her expectation. With a dream burner, like paper and fire. That sounds so good. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, this is, um, you know, my college years uh, and after college. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, some of my friends starting to, you know, tease me. Oh, he's getting country. And, and, you know, and I used to fight that comment all the time from my friends. I never saw that as country. He started bringing the accordion in and the banjo and more violin, uh, you know. And I I stood hard for many years, like, because I, at that time, wasn't much of a country fan. Yeah. I, I would insist, no, he's right. And I wasn't a country fan either, so that... He's a rocker, so if smoking it was, cigarettes yeah. with his, uh, you know, wild attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I clung to that until I embraced it. And it, it is. There, yeah. there is elements of country certainly coming into that and folk and blues. And mm-hmm. that's part of the richness of the music that, that he's now creating for us. And uh, you're right. Some of the best stuff he's done yeah. to this point... Kyle, I always like to ask you, because whenever we do a show like this or when we did the Tom Petty show, what, what, are your, what do you think of the songs we're playing tonight? Do you like these songs? Yeah, they're okay. Do they resonate with you? No. I mean, they're okay. <laughs> like, they're just kind of like, to me, they're generic. I we'll, don't know. Okay. Well, we'll always have the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Don't say generic when our guest is here. Well, I mean... Is this why he can't get a paying job? <laughs> <laughs> he has a paying job. It just doesn't happen in this building. Um... <laughs> Now, I talked about Bruce making these albums that he wants to make in between his E Street Band albums, and I actually think this next album might be kind of one of those, because this doesn't have, doesn't have the big production, doesn't have any r- real big singles, and that's Big Daddy. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I didn't like it. I didn't like it when it came out. I like it now. I, I don't think I... Maybe I didn't get it. Or maybe Adam Sandler sings on this album, right? That's right. Adam Sandler sings on Big Daddy. <laughs> That's going to be the goddamn line of the episode. Not if I edit it out. Uh, what did you What did you think? Because I just expected, uh, I just expected Big Daddy to be um, more of Lonesome Jubilee, and it, and it wasn't because the first single was Pop Singer. Yeah, and I think that was a very um, what's the word I want to use? It was a sarcastic. 
I think, slapping yes. his label, I don't want to be a pop singer. Right. But uh, what I'm saying is it was very... Um, that's a, that's a big that's a big and, and at the same time that is a big single, but it's not indicative of what the rest of the album is. No, you fact, know what I'm saying. No, in fact, I know Kyle's making fun of my fonts and colors, and <laughs> under my column where I say favorites, I, I I selected a couple of songs which are my all time favorites, and one comes off of this album, uh, and that's uh, Theo and Weird Henry. Okay, let's hear Theo and Le- Weird Henry. These are two of the Cosby kids, by the way. <laughs> A big, uh, big character-based album because we got we got the weird uh, we got Theo and Weird Henry. We have uh, Jackie Brown, and then the song I picked is Martha Say. So let's hear a little bit of Martha. Martha is a badass. You know what? Martha says you don't need no stinking man making no decisions for her. She don't need his money. She don't need him between the sheets. She ain't gonna sleep on the edge of the bed for no stinking man. That's the way that she lives. Cause I saw her last night. Pouring water on the ground. The man in the moonlight said, You know that guy. You don't want to mess with Martha. She's like Shaft. But no, in 89, when this album came out, though, and in 89, what was I listening to? I was listening to, you know, big, you know, big power ballad rock. So this, uh, even though I love Mellencamp and I would buy every single album that came out, for some reason, this one didn't resonate with me then as an, as an older adult. When, the, when all the albums came back out in 2005, they remastered everything, and I re, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. So I repurchased everything, and then I would listen to it, like, from the beginning you know what I mean? In chronological yeah, sure. order. And when this one, and when this one, I'm like, well, I bought it. I never liked it. Let's listen. And then I, I got back into it and in, well, yeah. I got into it for the first time in 2005. Yeah. I, I would definitely not recommend this as somebody's first melon. No, album. do not start here. But I do think, do not start here, Jim. Uh, no, it's not that bad. Warning. I, I, I actually like, like you said, I, I think after having his best lineup of musicians, some the, of, some yeah. of his best, stuff that he put out and, and they're still in that lineup still on this album too but it's a little bit more stripped down yeah again and uh not the same feel as the other mm-hmm. ones even his singing is a little more like low-key understated a little bit yeah but again i'm a fan of it and i i think it's actually one of his best i'd put it in my top five maybe above some of the other mega ones just mm-hmm. because i like the songs and the lyrics yeah. and uh i like the way it's put together it's more mature in some ways, yeah. It's not Cherry Bum and Rudy Toot Toot and Hot Dogs and Hamburgers. Yeah, I don't These think... These are all actual song, song yeah, titles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as radio-ready, at no. least not radio at that time. Now, with the satellite radio and all the different things we have today, 
there's definitely a place for this. Right. And it, but still went platinum. Still, this guy's got a platinum album hanging up at his office. He had a tailwind that he could have put yep. out Rudy Toot Toot and <laughs> get away with it. <laughs> okay, now we're going to move on. This, I think this is my number one. No, I don't think it is. I know it is. This is my number one favorite John Mellencamp album because now he is John Mellencamp. I'm pretty sure. Yep, he's Mellencamp. No Cougar. No more Cougar. This album is called Whenever We Wanted. I like every single song on this. This song, this album rocks. I love this start to finish. I listen to this more than any other uh, Mellencamp album. And uh, if you don't mind, I would love to start. Your Honor, Your Honor. I have three songs from this. How many did you pick? Yeah, I picked uh, one. And again, it shows up on my uh, favorites list. All right. Let's... uh, I'll start and then you can go. Um, I'm going to do, I want to hear uh, the title track whenever we want it. I love a nice defiant song where you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to do, I don't give a shit. Yeah, and you know, you were saying earlier uh, that you thought that that last album maybe uh, got lost even with his fan base, which was huge. Yeah. I think this album really shocked the, the fan base a little bit too because yeah. it it just rocks it rocks so hard it's I mean, not from, banjo and accordion no it's it is him with his voice getting a little rougher from the yeah. cigarettes uh but this is of all his stuff this is the only one i would say really really rocks. yeah what 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 song did you pick i'm excited to hear i picked melting pot because i just love the end uh, last two three minutes of this where they just rock it's, out and i think that's about where i queued it up somewhere in that tail section Oh, yeah, this is great. almost play that for someone and not tell them who it is and they would never guess that that was john mellencamp yeah it's, never it's, even 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 when he's singing it's that one doesn't sound like him and the band doesn't sound like you yeah know. it's just a, it is a really different 
record from him where they just really are jamming out. Yeah. To me, it reminds me more of seeing him in concert mm-hmm. and him allowing the guitarist and the, the keyboardist and such the free, you know, free hand a little bit. Yeah. And it's more of a jam album, except he's not jamming Pink Houses. He's jamming tracks that nobody heard before. Right. I have, uh, the, and the opening track, which I don't have because I've played it so many times on here, Love and Happiness is crazy yeah. good. Yeah, and you know, and when you think about all the concerts I've seen of him, he never plays anything off of this I in know. concert, it's, which it's, kills me. I know. I wish he would do what a lot of bands do now when they do those album shows. You know what I mean? When they come yeah. out and they play. Sadly, I think he would do American Fool and Uh-Huh and Scarecrow and wouldn't, this one wouldn't get covered again. Yeah. But uh, let's hear these last two because I want people to hear these songs especially because they might not be familiar with these. So let's hear uh, Crazy Ones. I love, uh, I love lyrics that paint a picture. Just the simple, she's got a, a floppy French hat. I mean, you can meet, you see that girl. You know who that girl is. Yeah. No, the, it's, it's the same writing, just a whole different sound from him that, again, he never picked it up really again. Yeah, I know. It's Because it's, uh, when I heard this album, I'm like, oh, here's where we're going now. This is where we're going we're gonna to go to. Uh, let's hear one more, uh, I Ain't Ever Satisfied. Such a big guitar album, this one. Got some cowbell in there. I love the things that scare most folks to death, but I ain't never satisfied. I stay till the end until I'm gasping for breath, but I ain't never satisfied. No, I am never satisfied. Yeah, people buy this album. I can't believe that this one just isn't on people's radar. I know. I've always loved it. And uh, I again, it's just so different for people that, like you said, you could play a lot of these tracks and I don't think they'd guess it's him. Nope. And now we're moving into some a uh, little bit of a human wheel territory. Like human wheels? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, that's one of my favorites that I have down. Um, I love the album cover. Just two hands holding and you see a wedding ring. And simple font. I like it. I like the album cover. Yeah, and I think this was when he really started to transition his career. Um, you know, he played with this raw back sound, and then he went to this hard rocking sound, and now this is, I think, was really the introduction to what we were going to see over the next ten years. Yeah, the, so- the the songs are longer. The albums are fun. Like this album's the first one to crack forty minutes. I think this forty five minute album, which was really standard back then that was about what albums were but um yeah the songs are longer five minutes and 16 seconds five minutes and 33 seconds 
bunch of five minute songs on here, but uh, what do you got for us? Let's hear what you got. Yeah, I took the title track, Screaming Wheels. Yeah, uh, I, I had it and then I, I, I removed it because I thought maybe you would have it. Also, by this time, and maybe a couple albums before, his that, that rinky-dink Riva label was uh, bought up by Mercury Records. I think maybe that ha- happened around. Maybe even Scarecrow was no longer on Riva. But, uh, so he's working with some people yeah. that knew what to do, at least. Yeah, clearly in a four- or five-year period, I think he was alienating some of his fan base, maybe picking up some new fans. But um, it, it definitely is a... You look at his entire catalog, it's mm-hmm. a really a... A different period for him, and again, still working with that same band that we keep talking about. So he he did a lot more albums with that that unit than I I, I realized. I thought he changed it up. Uh, no, I know quicker. you're I know you're a huge uh, rock drummer, aficionado, oh uh, and you had preached that to me for years. And until Kenny Aronoff left the band, I didn't actually ever hear the difference in drums mm-hmm. on a record. And uh, I, I I have to tip my hat to you. Because I can tell in the other records when Kenny's not yeah. on there, when you listen to the drum beats, it is a different sound. It's a different feel, definitely. Well, I went with uh, I have two songs off this, but I went with uh, with the, the single "What If I Came Knocking" because it's one of my maybe top five, definitely top ten little, songs. A little bit of a carryover from the last record. Yeah, but this one really rocks. Yeah, it does. I remember seeing him. You can keep playing. I remember seeing him play it live on Letterman, and I was just like, "It's before the album was out." And it's the first time I. And I was just like, what the hell? He's, uh, I remember hearing them, someone, uh, they're asking him about smoking. They go, I would think that smoking would, would make your voice sound really bad. And he goes, I think smoking makes your voice sound great. <laughs> it's like, okay. You can't really argue with that guy when he's, uh, that's what he says. But he, he's, uh, when, he's, when he's really singing, he's a good singer. He's a good vocalist. Yeah, and like I said, I think that song like that carries over from that last record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe from Big Daddy, you'll see, you'll hear some of that stripped down song and some of the other tracks and maybe one of the other ones you yeah. picked. I picked Suzanne and the Jewels. And I think there's some Big Daddy elements in this. I'd agree. Suzanne was a jewel keeper in a she 
stole all the jewels And she took them to a foreign land Which was strictly against all the rules And she wore them all proudly Like a tear, a crown on her head And she slept with them at night Suzanne and the jewels in her bed Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh, so now we go dance naked. Yeah. Now yeah. this album, uh, record company said that his last album didn't fit the format that they wanted. So he said, fine. So he goes in and they record this thing in 14 days. It's yeah. a 29 minute album. And he says, you, you here, fine. Take this. Here's your, here's your short pop songs that you want. Basically giving him the big middle finger. But, uh, I really, really like this album. And he has a gigantic hit with it. They do a cover of uh, Wild Night, the Van Morrison song. Him and I can't say her name. I will not be able to say her name. Michelle Nigolajicello. I can't say her name. Oui, oui. I don't know how to say it. I don't think she's French. Uh, but I really like this album. I, I thought this was a really fun little uh, rocking album when it came out. It came out in June of 94. So it, it, this got a lot of play that summer because it felt like a summer album roll the windows down yeah for sure i mean he still has um superstar power and even though you know, like we said these last few albums he's he's jumping around a little bit he's introducing new elements and he's he's rocking out a little mm -hmm. more and they're in, in some regards some of these records through this period are pretty uneven yeah but you're right there's still a lot of solid material there because the band's so tight mm -hmm. and they've played together now for a decade yep and you know, in some ways, he's bringing in new fans as he's maybe losing some. Um, so, yeah, I definitely pick a track off of here. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I picked uh, Another Sunny Day because we hadn't really talked about, you know, John doing acoustic much. Yeah. And to me, you know, this is some of the stuff we start to see coming in more and more in his more recent stuff. Um, and I think it's a great aspect of him. Well, is a graveyard in a swallow our bones It was here long before us It'll be here when we're gone It's a vain generation that looks for a sign Don't you think we could make better use of our time? Yeah, the air could be cleaner And the water could too what we do to each other Are the worst things that we do And we can treasure our freedoms Behind our locked doors But God speed the day When we're lonely no more I don't want I do like every song in this album I just don't I don't hold it up to the standards of Whenever We Wanted Or American Fool Or Scarecrow Because I think Um I don't think the songs hold as much weight, but I do like I do like every song in this album. And uh, a song I picked uh, I picked a song called "Brothers." I have a brother, Kyle. You have a brother. I do. This is about brothers who uh, who are who do not get along. So I dedicate this to your brother, Casey. 
Let's get to the point now Just because we got the same mom and dad That don't mean I'm a keeper, no That don't mean I owe anything to you You don't care for me And man, I don't think that much of you Like I know, uh, I know a couple guys that uh, the relationship that they have with their brother is uh, very much this. You should uh, dedicate the, this to your sister. <laughs> I'm dedicated to my sister Amy because <laughs> we're sister brother sister. That's not a good song, Kyle. My version's not good. Can you sing it all, Jim? I can't sing it all. Uh, no, I would not want to try that. Right what about now. you? Can you sing it all? No. God, even that speaking voice made me know that you no, couldn't. No. Now we, 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 we took shop in high school, not course. If you not remember. at all. That's yeah. why I have I, literally I have two, Pat, finger, two fingers on my right hand. There's a reason you and I took shop instead of course in high school. What did you make in shop? Let me ask you that. What did you make in shop? I made the um, thing that hung by the phone. It had the little uh, the paper, and you had the pencil holder, so yeah, you I could write that. the notes by the phone. Yeah, you put like a roll. It looked like a mini roll of toilet paper. No, it was like a little like adding machine type paper. Yeah, that, it looks like a mini roll of toilet paper. Yeah, and we had to cut out the thing, and they had to <laughs> drill a couple holes. Sand and, it. Stain sand it. it and, yeah. And I took, hope you didn't cut a finger off on the bandsaw. I took Metal Shop, and there, I don't know how I didn't get my ass kicked every day. I think because I made like the guys laugh, but there were some rough dudes in there. I know there was a kid in there that was at least 29 years old. I did not know that you knew how to rivet. I mean, and the things you would make in metal shop were just junk. I mean, it's like a metal pan. What am I going to do? You sit that on your dresser and you put change in it. Yeah, that's called a cup. And we have a lot of those at home. I mean, soldering and, and it was really, it was, I can't believe the stuff they let. I don't remember wearing eyewear. We're soldering. It's hot. I'm like, someone could have shivved me. I felt like I was in prison when I was in metal shop. I felt like it was prison. And the the shop was like... Oh, you remember it was like, a, it was like a whole different part of the school. A whole different part of the school. Like they knew that possibly something might explode down there and, and the good students will be safe. Well, the shop teachers made it plain that nobody would hear our screams <laughs> if we either hurt ourselves or if they would like paddle us for misbehaving. They were like, nobody's coming to help you. I don't even remember. It's you and me. Do you remember your shop teacher's name? I do not remember him. Um, no, I don't think I do. I'm in there with these kids. Even they, even their names strike fear. Chris Kajampa, Terry Ratchford. Some kid, his last name's Ott. We had a bunch of Otts in our Yeah, in our what, are those, what are those inbred mutants from our hometown? <laughs> they're, they're messed up. Yeah, they, yeah, they'd sing that sister song, but they'd sing it to their wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right, here we go. This is an album. This next album coming up. Does it, Becky, does it feel like we've been here for hours and hours? You look like you feel like, hey, when does this end? How many albums does this dude have? We're actually only about halfway through his catalog. <laughs> <laughs> we, I swear, my uh, comedian, uh, Jeff Tate, uh, really funny comedian, great guy. We did a Tom Petty episode. It, how long was that thing? That was like 
almost two hours, probably a little over two hours. He wasn't even ready to leave at that point either. No, he, he was like Mag. We were rushing through the last. Yeah, we were like, rushing through albums. the last three albums. He's like, "Come on, we got to really get into this." And he had like every song from every album. Yeah, that was like his playlist. <laughs> um, okay, this this next album is uh, this is where John Mellencamp, uh, as producer credit, uh, calls himself "Little Bastard." Maybe that's what we'll call this episode, "Little Bastard." Yeah, I like that. Um, but what if they think that I'm talking about you? Hmm. I'll call it Little Bastard Jim Schultz. <laughs> this is Mr. Happy Go Lucky. This came out in 1996. At that point, I am living, I'm living in Los Angeles. Still buying these Mellencamp albums, though. Uh, what do you think of this album? Uh, well, as I think you remember, this is after his heart attack. He had taken a couple of years off, had yeah. his first heart attack. Did he have more than one? Um, I think so. Again, you're, you've proclaimed me an expert tonight. So, yeah, well, I'm going to say, you know. Whatever you say, we'll just take it as gospel truth. Well, and again, maybe. But anyway, he, I know he had a heart attack um, sometime after Wild yeah. Nights. I think he had to disband his tour at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very different album for him. I, this is one in my pretty red font, Kyle, that I put uh, fans only. Um, I really don't think this is for the casual Melon Camp. This listener. is not for the casual fan, yeah. but but I love some tracks on here. This might, I mean this this has two songs on here that again these these would go with what if I came knocking. These are in my top five. Easy is Key West Intermezzo. I saw you first. I don't even know if I said that right. It's West, right? West. Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's Key yes. West Intermezzo. <laughs> and then um, and the other song, Just Another Day. I love those two songs. Yeah. And uh, what do you got? You want to play us something? Yeah, I picked um, "Circling Around the Moon." Ooh, that's that's deep. These songs have like a groove, almost yeah. like a funky. He's using drum loops and some maybe some sampling even on some of these tunes. Some, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that that drum loop is like that heartbeat going through yeah. that track mm-hmm. from beginning to end. And he ends the, the song with that heartbeat. Just look at dum, you dum, getting dum, all dum, into dum. it all of a sudden. Look at that happening. Like I, like I said, that. I think this is one for fans only. And, you know, for those that think they can handle it, proceed with caution. But it's a great album. Yeah, this is very, uh, if I want to say arty, he's being, he's a real, like, really being an artist in on this album. You know what I mean? Like, he's. He just almost died. And I think he came out of this. This is when he started painting. Yeah. And uh, touring less and mm-hmm. uh, in some ways maybe getting a little weirder. But yeah. maybe being more of who he was and showing Cops. us that weirdness. Cops are coming, Jim. <laughs> Hide your stash. Uh, um, he only had one heart attack. But he said it was caused because he was up to smoking 80 cigarettes a day. Okay. <laughs> no, wait a minute. How many cigarettes are in a pack? 20? Maybe. It's four packs a day? Yeah, probably. So that, okay. 
I have never smoked. Have you smoked? I've tried it. Pot? Have you smoked pot? I'm not going to answer Cigar. that. I've never smoked anything. I've never smoked anything in my life. Unless it was secondhand and got into my system. So I don't even know how long it takes to smoke a cigarette. It's, but it, it's 20. Sorry, I looked at How long does it take to smoke a cigarette? I, I don't know. I want to figure out what part of his day with 80 cigarettes. that You would have to be smoking... When people go and smoke breaks at work, I always go with them because I just want a break. Okay. And I eat a cookie or something. Yeah, because why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you get a cookie break? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and sometimes it's like 10 minutes. But sometimes it's like three minutes. So it's, okay. it varies. I think it varies on the It varies. Person. I'm guessing he's smoking them pretty fast. Like, I'm guessing it, he's chain smoking. When he's not sleeping or eating, he's smoking. Well, then here's what else caused it. Okay. So if the 80, as if the 80 cigarettes weren't enough. Okay. He said, when we'd finish a show... I go out and have steak and french fries and eggs at four in the morning and then go to sleep. Well, look, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> How old is he at that point when he has that heart attack? He's 94. So. He's 94 years old? <laughs> no, well, no he wonder was, he, he was born in 51, okay. so 43. Oh, that's young to have a heart attack. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he was experimenting around with some different diets, and mm-hmm. clearly that wasn't a good one. <laughs> oh, okay. That's funny. I like that. I like where you, what you're doing. Uh, what I wanted to say about Dance Naked is the album cover, because he had hassles with the record company. Uh, the album cover is a man's torso wrapped in uh, wrapped in barbed wire. So I guess that was also a way to say, you guys are keeping me down. Yeah, he's really angry through that yeah. whole period, even up until here, you know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, because even the sarcastic title of the album, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. For sure. He, uh, he I think, like I said, he, he was... Just really unhappy. Uh, you, you said it earlier in the show. I mean, to us, the fan, we say, who wouldn't want to be a rock star? Yeah. And I think at this point, he wasn't happy being a rock star. He he wanted to do be anything but, but he still wanted to make music. I'm happy for the eight people that listen to this bullshit. How about that? Low expectations. Uh, also, for, with this album, uh, Walmart had some trouble with the cover because it has uh, the devil over his one shoulder and has Jesus over the other shoulder. So they had to make a cover that didn't have the devil or Jesus. And if you, you re- go buy guns in the back of Walmart. Yeah, you can go buy guns and uh, <laughs> shoot up the store. And if you're religious, if you believe in Jesus, then you also believe in the devil too, right? True. So, I mean, they, they, they weren't. They weren't on the cover like with the devil saying, you know, hey, I'm the best. It wasn't like that. They're just there. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely was starting to get controversial on a whole, yeah. a lot of different levels. Well, uh, according to him, he didn't care that they took him off because that cover wasn't his idea anyway. So he he didn't care one way or the other. Yeah, I guess after you have your heart attack at 43, you you don't care. I, the jacket does feature thinking. some of his art that he painted, mm. and some of his paintings are inside. Um. Yeah, because he, he, you know what, that guy's a good painter. When I see his art, I'm like, oh, he's really got a, he's got a unique style. Yeah, I, I've seen some Maybe of it that's on. That's what I, makes him happy. I know it's painting. on his fan website, and yeah. um, I don't ever see it for sale. I don't think he sells any of his art. I, he may, I, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I like some of it too. Yeah, it's um, it's really I don't, unique. I, I'm not any. I know less about art than I do music, and. Yeah. Uh, I just know what I like, and I do think some of it is interesting. Yeah. Um, to me, that's what art is. If you, I would if have you no like idea it, how to describe you the like style it, then it's or good. anything. Um, it, it might be a cool painting to hang in your bar or something yeah. like that. Let's, uh, if you allow me to play a couple songs from Mr. Happy Go Lucky, I'm going to go with these 
aforementioned singles. I don't think they charted hardly at all. But let's hear uh, Key West Intermezzo. In the bulk of the dawn, me and Gypsy Scotty are singing. Yeah. yeah, old Blanche left her shoes out in the bed. Tells me a story about some girly nose in Kentucky. He just made that story up. There ain't no girl like that. I didn't know where to start this song because all, all the uh, uh, all the verses uh, are so descriptive with stuff. Like the first verse is, um, "In a hand painted night, me and Gypsy Scotty are partners at the Flamingo Hotel, wearing black market shoes. The loud Cuban band is crucifying John Lennon." I mean, you can see all you know exactly. You know what that band looks like. You know what that band sounds like. You you can think of whatever John Lennon song that they are just butchering to no end and then where i queued it up when uh it's uh, in the bone colored dawn bone colored i mean you know exactly what the sky is looking like at that point and then when this guy tells him the story about this girl from kentucky and then he says i just like such a throwaway line he just made that story up there ain't no girl like that i mean that i love it i just got a chill saying that yeah, for Imagine sure. When I, th- when I hear it, I get a chill. When I talk about it, I get a chill. No, was the other rejected cover a crucified John Lennon? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the one that they went with. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, it, it's it's good music. It really is. It's just if somebody's expecting mm-hmm. a John Mellencamp song they've heard on the radio or yeah. a casual fan, they're just not going to find what they're looking for. But there is really yeah. some deep stuff on here. Yeah. I had I had Jerry queued up too. It's about a, it's about a, basically a home, crazy homeless guy. Yeah. But uh, I'd rather play the other the other song that's more accessible. So let's hear a little bit of just another day. Those songs, Kyle? Nope. <laughs> so dismissive tonight. Oh, they're okay. You like this? 
There I am. Yeah, I mean, in some regards, you know, I would probably put this in the same part of the pile with like a Big Daddy because it's, I, I really it's like, it's different. And for the fan, the big fan of uh, like any artist, whether it's, you know, we've mentioned Bruce Springsteen a couple mm. of times, I don't want to hear Born to Run again. I want to hear these different songs mm. that still have all those yeah. elements. And I think that's why I tend to gravitate more towards these records now than the ahas and things because I've. I've I've worn mine out a couple of times. If you can, uh, you could you could definitely take Big Daddy and Mister Happy Go Lucky and put those together. If you're a casual fan, and you could make yourself one solid album that you would love. Yeah, for you sure, would love it. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, there's there's elements of the things that everybody loves about mm-hmm. them. You just have to look for them a little differently. Yeah. Uh, well, with Mister Happy Go Lucky, platinum success is, ends. This is the last album to go platinum. And he's done with Mercury Records, too. So he hops over to CBS, Columbia. He's got that. Now he's got that sticker on his album. He's got that Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan. More importantly, Bob for him, probably Bob Dylan. That's the label Bob Dylan's on. And he records self-titled. But this time it's not John Cougar. Self-titled, just John Mellencamp. And do you got any songs from this? Did you bring any songs from this? I didn't bring any from that, but um, I I think. You know, I, 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 I do like that record. I like it, but I don't love it. I would agree. There's, I, I think I like 50% of it. So I only brought one song, and this is called I'm Not Running Anymore. This might have been the single. Well, I got two circus clowns here who like to fight. They got one black guy and a bloody nose. They are the hoodlums of my third wife. Whatever I say, they will oppose. Big pro, here's my big beef with this album. This is this is the first album without Kenny Aronoff. He uses the, he has a new I was, drummer. I was thinking you were going to come to that. Yeah, at some he point. has this yes. guy Dane Clark, and I think he's still with him today. And I I do not like this drummer at all. Yeah, and like I said, now I, he I, must I, be he must have some modicum of talent because he makes a living drumming. I don't. This guy does, but he is absolutely. It's a, the drumming is a weak link. Uh, on this album, definitely. Yeah, it, it's definitely on the bottom of my Mellencamp pile. Yeah. Um, even though I know you would slap me around if I stacked albums on top of each other. Yeah, don't do that, Jim. Yeah. Scratch them all. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you would have you would have thought with a, a brand new label, Columbia Records, first album on the label. You, you I, I would have thought that I was expecting this to be. Read me a couple other tracks on this one. You got the playlist up? Fruit Trader. Yeah. Your life is now. That was the first single. Positively crazy. I'm reading these titles. You probably don't even know what these songs sound like. I'm not running anymore. It all comes true. Eden is burning. Miss Missy. Where the world began. Chance meeting at the tarantula. Do you remember that time we went to the tarantula? I think we did shots. Yeah. And I think that's when I when I was uh, cruising through this one. There, there's none on there that really... That jump out at you. Not that they don't jump out at me. I've, I've listened to the whole thing a few times. Mm-hmm. But just none that really... Uh, I, I felt like 
I wanted to yeah. bring with me. Yeah. And yet, this album goes gold, so he has another gold record. He sells half a million copies of this thing. Yeah, I think we're really sucking the last fumes out of the, the big peak. We're really on the downside now. We're, we're really on the downside. But people like you and me are going to buy whatever he puts yeah. out, and there's still a lot of us hanging on. Yeah. So then the next album, his second, his second album for Columbia uh, comes out, and it is called Cutting Heads. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Yeah, it's cutting with the uh, exclamation or the uh, what is it called? The accent mark above the N. I don't know what it means. I really thought you knew what you were going to talk about. Actually, if you wouldn't have said I don't know what it means, <laughs> you would have convinced me that you did know did know what it means. Uh, so this album again, if I put this one together with the the, the other album, I might be able to make a decent album. I think you could make me. a side A if you put the you're, two together. Yeah, you're I right. Didn't, I didn't bring anything from this and as yet, well. Well, and yet. I, I love a couple of songs on here, and I think this peaceful world oh, yeah, for sure. this, is amazing. To me, this belongs on uh, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. Yeah, let's hear, uh, let's hear a little bit of this uh, peaceful world with India Ari sings with him on this. Come on, baby, take a ride with me. I'm up from Everything's cool as can be in a peaceful world. I see through it now, but I didn't at first. The hypocrites made it worse and worse. Looking down the noses what people say. These are just words and words are okay. It's what you do and not what you say. If you're not part of the future, then get out of the way. Come on, baby, take a ride with me. I'm up from the near Everything is cool as can be in a world. Really love that song. Does he play that? Recently, because again, I haven't seen him since 2005, and he wasn't playing that then. No, I don't think that I've ever seen him do that song. Probably doesn't play any of these. That's what cracks me um, up, too, when you go see an artist, and they just... Well... There's like three or four albums, they don't even touch them. Yeah, I mean, I think through these couple of records, you know, like you said, it's hard to put together even an A-side, I think. Um, Yeah. But then there are some things that are still really good yeah. there. And um, I have another one off this to me, album, too. To me, these last couple of records are almost like he's getting back to be more poppy uh, than rock or country yeah. or that uh, country rock. He had his own unique sound yeah. there for a while. And now I feel a lot of Paul Simon or something yeah, in these kind songs. Of, kind of lost. Maybe Columbia that, wasn't letting him do what that he wanted. I just, for me, I didn't like this direction at all. Yeah. Either Columbia said, do whatever you want, and, that, and that's what they released, or Columbia was saying, oh, no, do some of this, but I don't know which. But let's hear, I like this song, too, called Worn Out, Nervous Condition. I'm in a worn-out, nervous condition over you. I'm in a worn-out, nervous condition
again, that drum, that drum just doesn't have the snap of Kenny Aronoff. Uh, like you said, it almost sounds um, like a drum loop it's just, or it's the, just generic. I picture the drummer from the Cars playing on those couple of <laughs> records. That dude is with, not a good drummer. No, I know. Um, we no, did, I saw the Cars. They just they did like six shows like four years ago, and one was out here, and we saw him. He wears headphones bigger than the ones we're wearing now, and it is just such a force. Like it's almost like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> now I think. This period in the the mid to late nineties, you know, this is where if people would, you know, I tell people I was still listening to Mellencamp, they'd be like, I didn't even know he was still around. Yeah, they didn't even, most people didn't know at this time he was still putting out records. I mean, I, one of the tracks I really like came out on his greatest hits in ninety seven, uh, without expression, and I don't know, yeah, 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 I don't That's know when it, I don't know when that was actually recorded, but it came out in that time period. Yeah. But I think it was probably something that was forgot about that cut off, cut off an album um, earlier, be- yeah. certainly before these last two albums. I totally, even though it came out song. in '97. I think that's a Van Morrison song. It could be a, a could be a remake or a cover. And, Kyle, uh, could you see a crack statistician? Yeah, you want to you want to hear it? Oh, you have it. Yeah, cue that up for us. Oh, you brought it. I'm trying to save these couple of lost years in John Mellencamp's career. Yeah, this was a bonus track on a greatest hits package. Love that line, written by Terry Reed, is who yeah. that was written by. I love that line where, you, where you, lying through a busy streak is all. And I think, you know, that was him in his late '80s, early '90s, yeah. where I think he felt fake and phony in a lot of ways. Like he uh, he was still having a lot of success with, I think, what he knew wasn't some of his best work. Yeah, and he just felt phony in some ways. I don't know. I don't. I don't know when exactly that track was recorded because it got tagged into that. Right. Box set, uh, but I th- I think it salvages for me those <laughs> yeah ninety five ninety six ninety seven years yeah that uh, the greatest hits package that it was on came out in ninety seven so that must have closed out his Mercury um, contract he just said put out a best of I'll record a new tune for sure and I don't know how that got left off of some of those albums um, with that compiled that greatest hits because to me it's as strong as any of that stuff yeah that's a good tune and now we move on to uh, Trouble No More this is his last album for Columbia. You like this album. I, I, I do not like blues covers albums. I hate, I just hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I know um, it's weird because everyone goes, but all rock and roll comes from the blues. So you got to like the blues. <laughs> I go, I don't like the blues. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely where his career has transitioned here. Um, it is more blues. Um, part of it, I think, is because of his voice and, you know, the cigarettes have taken away the high notes and uh he's he's more the low really raspy you can't even understand what he's saying mm-hmm. type voice um i i picked uh down in the bottom because i think this is a really good track i don't even know if i probably never even heard this song because hey, you can meet me at the 
Like right there, like, hey, maybe I should pick this up. Nope. These are like standards for rockers, like blues cover albums. Uh, yeah, that's what they. It's it's when they don't know what to do. Yeah. Like Aerosmith honking on Bobo. Also, the worst F name. You. Oh, F you, Aerosmith on that one. That yeah, no, like, no doubt. I mean, like, I, I think even he listened to his last couple records, and this was probably like, oh shit, I'm in a contract. I got to put something yeah. out. Right. Um, I, I think there is some good stuff here. Um, I'm not a huge blues fan. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of that. What I call like that New Orleans type sound. Yeah. But I do like some of that. I, I agree. A whole record of it's probably too much for me. Maybe a track or two on a good record. This would. Be, I would love this song more. Yeah. Um, I, this is definitely on the bottom of the pile too for me. Which is Zydeco music? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's called Zydeco. Um, and he does a lot of that now. The show I just saw yeah. a few months ago, uh, they did a, a you know part of the set. They did a couple of songs mm-hmm. with that where he did some real bluesy uh, songs that actually I thought live were really good. Well, I'm going to let you take it here now because uh, these next two albums, I do, I do not care for these albums at all. And I gave him uh, a quick re-listen getting ready for this show. 2007's Freedom's Road. And then 2008, uh, Life, Death, Love, and Freedom. He's got freedom in both the titles. Um, that second one is produced by T-Bone Burnett, great producer. Uh, yeah, I just don't I, don't, like, I don't like anything off these albums. Like, nothing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I, uh, Freedom Road, I picked Someday. Um, again, I went to some acoustic work because I think he does really shine on these tracks. Brother, oh brother, oh brother! In my head, I was thinking, oh brother. <laughs> this is and this is super political too. I yeah, mean, for sure. And, and got then, a song called "Rodeo Clown" that's about George W. Bush. And just, I mean, it's I mean, this is really like ramming it down our throats. What what he wants us to know? Yeah, I really think it. Write the, a blog, John. I really think at this point he's paint. not picking up. Paint. A, <laughs> yeah, go, this uh, is what he should have gone to paint. 
yeah, he's he's definitely not picking up a lot of new fans at this point. No, he's um, losing old and fans. He's even losing ones like <laughs> you that, um, that don't like to have a spot on their record collection with an empty uh, year. Um, I know. I I just I, I gotta I gotta fill it out. I gotta have I gotta have it from start to finish do on you my own show. These? I do own these. Yeah, okay. the only one I don't own. It, we'll talk about it in a, in a bit. It's the most recent one. Is the only one I don't the own. the blues one. You own the blues one. Okay, I, there's two I don't own. Okay. I don't own the blues one because I don't own blues covers albums. Right, okay. And then I don't own the most recent one, but okay. Yeah, so, so from Life, Death, and Freedom, I picked Longest Days. Again, another acoustic track because uh, clearly on his first 20 uh, records, just not a lot of acoustic, mm-hmm. um, pure acoustic, and, and that's what you're starting to see more and more peppered into these more recent records. And what song is this again? Longest Days. Because when I said that uh, I'm out, it's all you, it meant I'm leaving. <laughs> so you pretend not to notice That everything has changed The way that you look And the friends you once had So you keep on acting the same But deep down in your soul We allowed to look wave lighters in here you got no flame. Are we allowed to put on oxygen masks? And who knows then which way to go? Life is short, even in its longest days. No, I, I, see, I, I mean, see, to I, me, I know what he's trying to do. I know here. you're a huge Bruce guy, and to me, that's as good as a, a Bruce uh, acoustic track off of some of his more recent stuff. I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't like. Uh, I think you've just fallen out of love with him. With Mellencamp? Yeah, for sure. I just, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't grab me. I like and, to... And, and he deserves that because it, these, these three, four albums leading up to this even, it's getting harder and harder to find the gems, I think. Yeah. And this is the, these two albums were 2007, 2008. So, I mean, relatively recent. Yeah. You know. Does he play stuff from these albums in concert? Uh, that'd be it, no. No. Okay. He doesn't uh, play anything. And, and there was one song on Freedom's Road called Our Country, which was even, it was in a car commercial. Yeah, it was like oh, a Chevy commercial. That. It got some play. That harkened back to almost like a Lonesome Jubilee yeah. type of feel for him. And I think they probably th- had him throw that on there just to get, try to get a hit again. Sure. Yeah, because what he said, I remember seeing him in an interview and they said, you don't seem like the person that would let your song be in a commercial. And he said, the way the music industry is now, I'm paraphrasing, but he said the way the music industry is now if I want my music heard, more people are going to hear this song in this truck commercial than would ever hear it anywhere else. He goes, so if I can get people to find my album, and this is the way I have to do it, then I'll do it. Hi. Hello. And then, and then people just bought trucks and didn't and buy the went, album. <clears throat> you should have given an album away free if you bought the truck, or vice versa. <laughs> and then we go to, and this this one. This, I wrote a review for this one. No better than this. This sounds like, this sounds like he does not, he doesn't care if anyone listens to this album. He's like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to, what? And, and like all these songs are recorded in different places. I think one's in a hotel and he's in the corner of the hotel and one's, he's on his head and one he's in the can. But I don't, this album this sounds. I don't. I, I don't even know what to say about this album. What'd you, what'd it's you pick? What you pick from this one, Pat? I picked. I have two songs off of this. Actually, I picked. Uh, uh, I hate this album. Let's play two songs. Um, let's make the show go longer. 
no, when it's an artist like John Mellencamp, you have to uh, you have to give him his due, even when he uh, has a misstep like this. I have um, I have the the I have the title track, no better than this. Okay. Do you have that? Uh, no, I didn't bring anything from this. You limited me to fifteen tracks, and I'm out of songs. Okay, you know it. Play this. Play Easter Eve. This is a six-minute, 30-second track about two guys that go out for Easter breakfast and get in a fight. Because that's tradition. <laughs> that it, maybe this year. Well, a man approached, said, what are you staring at? Is this his grandmother singing? I know. What is going on with this, Jim? Back and teaches some manners. It was simple as that. Keep your eyes to yourself, you bastard. Come on, dude. This is terrible. You can't. This doesn't get a spin ever. You're walking here, sir. I'm sorry. I was singing along in my head. I'm going to write a song for your grandfather who's on his deathbed. The patrons. He sounds terrible. Okay. Play uh, and play. trying to do Tom's Diner in a Denny's? I don't know. Play, play uh, try no better than this. Sonically, it's terrible. It sounds like it's recorded in a cardboard box. Sounds like a demo. It's just a tough listen for me. Okay. The good thing is it's only 13 tracks. I figure it's 13 minutes. Yeah, it's actually one of his longer records. Yeah, I just... And uh, nothing nothing gets me on that album. Yeah, I almost feel like we're uh, ending on a downer here. Well, it happens sometimes. It happens. It's not a downer. We've we've propped the man up. We've given him, acc- given him accolades. We, we've talked about how great his catalog, his catalog still is. Those songs don't go away. No, I know. But and, now the most it's sad because we get we we've gone from finding three or four gems on a record to to not even finding sort one. of kind of kind of yeah okay if this came on at a bar and I didn't have to pay for it on the jukebox like I, I, guess, I wouldn't leave the bar. I guess with these, I guess when I listen to music, I want to feel I want to feel something, but I also want to feel maybe ha- maybe I want to feel good or at least have a couple tracks. I want to you know these tracks are all downers to me. Like they're all just like. Like nothing like Yeah, he's all over the me. place. I mean that last one I think to me was um I don't know, like an Irish folk song yeah. type thing. What is like uh again, it's like it's like he's sitting on the back porch with a jug band. Yeah, that song might not have been bad if it was recorded better. But like just Yeah, the that's sound, another thing that the, the sound quality and I, makes and I, me not yeah, want to listen been, to it. He's but he's a, going and I know that he's he was actually going for that. Yeah, he's purposely style, going for that, that like, style. And and so uh, uh, he achieved it. It's just not it's like he's trying to be like Hank Williams, yeah, uh, yeah, circa nineteen fifty, in a bar room mm-hmm. recording this track. But if like I want to hear, you know, if I want to hear, look, "Hey, Good Looking" is an amazing song. But if I want to hear Hank Williams in two thousand, when this came out, two thousand ten, I'll listen to the old Hank Williams records. You're not going to win me over with this. Yeah, I don't know that there's an audience out there for no. that. Um, you know, um, I don't even think. Our dads would have listened to that music. I, know. I don't know what Weird. I don't know what the target audience is for that, and um, you know, not to dogpile on him anymore. But you yeah. know, where you can hear his voice, his voice is very raw. It's mm-hmm. rough. He's not hitting the high notes. He's just raspy. 
Um, and he's not doing that on purpose. That's, no. that's the voice now. The um, And then the new album, Plain Spoken, you, you told, I, this is the one I don't own, uh, you told me that that's not bad. Yeah, and I wish I had a track for well, it. Well, tra- I do have a track if, from it. If you, if you have, do you have the whole CD there? Cause I, I don't have the whole CD. Uh, I only have one track. I only have, uh, I only have um, Troubled Man. Now, why don't you own this? You're going to tell us. Did you hear that last uh, oh, couple yeah. of bullshit okay. songs? Okay. That's why I don't own it. But I will now. When I'm at, when I go to a used CD store and I see it for four ninety nine, which should be in about probably this week, then I'll pick it up. Yeah, just to have it and to give it a listen. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel like my dollar was worth uh, buying the, this album because I've been. I've been, personally. I've been disappointed by what uh, yeah, has I'll, come. You know, I'll say. You know, as he's been bouncing around with this uh, T Bone Burnett, Hank Williams sound, and yeah. Irish folk songs. He is starting to hone that sound, mm-hmm. and I and I see three or four on this uh, record that I think represent that style of what he's trying to do. Yeah, um, I I would have brought Blue Charlotte um, had I been given sixteen songs. Um, <laughs> the one that you picked, he uh, he did uh, open the concert with that, and uh, I thought it was a really good track to open the the new style with. All right, well let's play a little bit of Trouble Man. Now already the production on this Kills that last album Yeah, and I misspoke he did, This is the song he opened with I laughed out loud I won't do that again I, I like this Yeah, song. it's a good song Always traveled the hellfire road To chase the sweet smell of sand I am a true I don't think his voice sounds bad at all on this. I am a true man. Yeah, like, like I said, I think as he's ratted around in all these different sounds, um, he is starting to hone it. Now, yeah. I think that's going to find a new, smaller audience. You still have some diehards like myself clinging along. Um, we're not going to have another Jack and Diane. I don't think no. that's ever going to be there again. No. But it is a new, mellower, different version of mm-hmm. him. How long he's going to hold on to this sound, right. and maybe he'll really refine it for the next record. And uh, you know, for the fans and the new fans, it'll it'll be that new sound in I a mean, better version. Of I don't it. think he's done. I mean, I think if he he's still not he's not an old dude yet, and not a really old dude like yeah. Jagger. I think if he wants it, really, he could do it again. Yeah, but uh, but maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he wants to paint. But this was great. You were really uh, you really had your stuff down. Uh, thank you for doing this. Yeah. Let's do some quick promotion. Uh, like us on Facebook. Yes. Uh, go to uh, rocksolidpodcast.com dot com and read the show notes by Andrew Rich. There's also a donation button there. You can click on that and donate uh, any amount of money thousand dollars, five thousand. We I think the highest you can donate is ten thousand dollars. Right? I think you can donate as much as you want. I think you can donate half a million dollars if you want to. You just click yeah. a button and can you, you type numbers in Can you go on as often as you want and donate? You can yeah. go on as often as you yeah, want. There's, there's, no no, limit. there's no limit. Apparently, I think that's what's keeping people from even doing it once. I think they think there's a limit. Uh, Andrew Rich writes some great show notes. Go there for the show notes. That's that's a sidebar if you want to click on that. We don't we don't make you do it, but fucking click if you, it. If you want to donate $5 so Pat can pick up the Plain Spoken album. Oh, yeah. Why don't we take... Let's do that. If I if I can get enough money to buy... I think this album now, it's out of print. I think it sounds for, sells for $39,000. $39, <laughs> uh, 
Um, Kyle, you're at Kyle Dotson Funny on Twitter. Yes. We're at Rock Solid Show on Twitter. I'm at Pat underscore Francis. Uh, what else do we talk about? I'm at Siemens.com. You're not. Want to give out your email address? People can just email you. They can find me at Siemens.com. <laughs> you might want to spell that for them. So they, yeah. they might get... Yeah, I don't know what. Place. Who knows what website you're going to get? And let me tell you, if you get, get the wrong website, what what uh, what it was seen cannot be unseen. Yeah. Um, well, let's play out with. Uh, did you have fun doing this? We awesome were, we sauce. didn't really rec- we didn't really record this. We just. <laughs> uh, uh, let me tell you something. Let's play out. This, this is hard to believe. He only has one number one single, only one, and it's not Pink Houses. And it's not Small Town. It's the song that you just mentioned a second ago. It is Jack and Diane. So let's play out with a little bit of Jack and Diane. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Becky, for sitting there quietly as women should. Ouch. That'd be a cold ride home. Jack and Diane Two American kids growing up In the heartland Jackie gonna be A football star Diane's debutante backseat Of Jackie's car Sucking on chili dog Outside taste freeze Diane sitting on Jackie's lap, got his hands between her knees. Jackie say, hey, Diane, let's run off behind the shade of trees. Dribble off those Bobby Brooks, let me do what I please. Say, oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Say,